Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friends, I'm so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that during our conversation today, there is some discussion that is best listened to away from children's ears. I so appreciate my guests who are transparent and real and who are giving us hope on the other side as well. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help individuals find their own healing. Thanks, friends. And now to my interview. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Jennifer Beagle, who has a powerful story. In fact, This show has been broken up into two parts. So if you missed the first part of our show, please be sure to go back to last week's episode to hear part one of our interview together. If you or someone you love has experienced trauma, abuse, addiction, been out on the streets, caught in sex trafficking, this is the episode for you. Jennifer is not only transformed, restored and healed from what she experienced as a child and young adult, but she is a mighty mouthpiece for the kingdom of God. This episode is filled with so much hope of restoration from a place of utter brokenness and despair. Now let's go ahead and join our show where we left off last week. One of my life scriptures, I believe uh, we were going to talk about this later, but it's such a great time. Jeremiah 29, 11, that God's thoughts are to prosper me and not to harm me, that to give me a hope and a future. And one of the things that stood out to me in the very beginning of my walk was that God is not here to harm me. All the things that happened to me was the enemy. And he has been in a battle. If you read Zechariah chapter three, a phenomenal passage in scripture that talks about how Joshua was a sinner and he was in filthy, dirty rags. And the enemy was standing in the very presence of God, accusing Joshua. And and God said, no, no, that one is mine. In fact, reclothe him, take off the filthy rags and put on white linen. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 really stood out to me that God's not here to harm me. He's here to help me. He's here to prosper me. So all of this stuff that happened to me, you opened with it. What the enemy meant for evil, God is now turning around for his glory. And I get very passionate when I'm mentoring people. I've mentored people for 18 years. And I mentor them with that. You are not a victim and you're not a survivor. You are a child of the king and this is not his fault. There's a very real enemy that came to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Let's figure out what that looks like. Because if he can do it for me, he will do it for anyone. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. That is who we serve. That is the God we love. And he, I don't know about you, but I was just thinking that when I came to Jesus, because I wasn't raised in a Christian home either. And at 21, I came to Jesus and an addict, broken, abused, and unloved, unwanted. And when I was introduced to Jesus, I was so hungry for love. And one of the ways, but a healthy way, I had been promiscuous and had done other things because of abuse as well. But one of the things was I hungered for the word. And the word was where I got that love. It was, it was life-changing. And as you're quoting scripture, I'm thinking the Lord, you know, that hunger for the word in you as well. Was that something that happened to you when you found Jesus? That's exactly what happened to me. I read yeah. the whole Bible yeah. every month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. Was like, yeah. It was so affirming. I loved reading about Lazarus, who was just this menace to his society, a sore thumb, sore to the eye, gross, disgusting person that was homeless on the streets. And, you know, basically, and how Jesus loved him and Rahab, how she was in prostitution and but she still helped the people of god and and she ended up in jesus's lineage and the woman oh my goodness please 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 mary from magdalene come on that is my story and it just was like my goodness it really gave me this perspective because i can shoot down a highly religious person quickly. But that really gave me a perspective of the one true God that loved me with an everlasting love and wanted me supernaturally, not just unconditionally. Oh man, I can't get enough of the word, to be honest. Yeah. And I think of Mary Magdalene's story that in spite of what I have done and what has been done to me, that love and acceptance. I just think of the listener right now who is thinking, yeah, but what I've been through, God can't love me. I'm unlovable. And the truth is, God does love you with that everlasting love. And he is here to love on you and wrap his arms around you, not in the world's perverted way, but in a healthy, whole way that we have not known before Jesus. His love is so clean and so pure. And so I just want to encourage you, listener, if you're feeling that way, that God, what God has done for us, God is here to do that for you as well today. So Jennifer, we left off. You you got divorced. You were 19 years old. And what happened in your life after that? Where was that? fully restored moment, the moment like we alluded to, you know, when you got saved, but that moment where you found hope in the middle of the darkness, when light pierced through and you began the journey of healing, how did that happen for you? Sure. I I need to put in a little more nuggets so people will truly grasp the depth of what Jesus took me out of. So I married my second husband at 21 and he was such an abusive man. He beat me. He raped me. He drugged me. He recorded me. 
He would share those recordings with his friends. He was just a very evil man and had a very evil sister that we moved into our home. And that sister was a crack cocaine addict. And she got me very quickly addicted to crack cocaine and ended up selling me literally to her drug dealer. And a lot of people want to, well, how can someone just sell a human to someone? Like you have to have a choice with that. And if I could really just get you to expand your understanding and your thinking on addiction, then you really can see that you don't have a choice. And she introduced me to crack and she took me to her dope man's house and said, flirt with him. He'll give us free drugs. We did that three different times. The thing is on the third time, I was so hooked. There's a physical pain, a physical, it's more than mental. It's physical, mental, spiritual, every all out there that you have to have these drugs. So the third time they knew that I was hooked and the drug dealer then turned around and made me perform for him. That started the actual trafficking. So she did that for a little while. And then I basically uh, divorced my second husband at 24 years old and ended up homeless in the streets of Gainesville, Florida. When I was homeless in those streets for eight years, um, I was under the care of a pimp. This is before Backpage and Craigslist and Snapchat and all the different electronic modes that we have today. We were street prostitutes and I would be put on corners literally under the care of a pimp. And we would have to, depending on how much money we would bring in, but we would have to visit, if you will, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people a day to bring home X amount of money to get small amounts of drugs to keep us addicted and wanting more. During that time, the very uncle that molested me at seven years old, he actually became one of my customers where he would purchase me multiple times, feeding me drugs, paying my pimp. And just when I was young, I knew something wasn't right. But when I was older, I knew that this was completely wrong, but I could not stop. So eight years and thousands of rapes, literally later, I met my God in a closet. I had been to every 12-step program that this earth has to offer, every program that our city had to offer, everything that you can imagine, including jailhouse religion. Nothing worked until I met God in a closet and I heard his audible voice say, finally, Jennifer, now I can do something with you. I had felony warrants for my arrest. I have been in and out of jail more times than you could imagine. He said, finally, I can do something with you, Jennifer. I walked out of the closet that day and I walked into a church November of 2001. And I have not looked back. The Lord has done such an incredible work on the inside of me. This is key. I know one of the things that I wanted to talk about was community. I met this group of women that ran a small group and they basically nurtured me and helped me and 
taught me how to become a woman, not just a lady, not just a lady of the night, not just a female, not all the things, but an actual woman and a woman of God. They found if you take that word community and you break it into two, it's common unity. And that's what they had with me. They found the common unity that I was a woman and a child of God. And they knew they were called to help me. They nurtured me and loved me so incredibly well. And it was the beginning of my journey of restoration of just watching them. They were all married with godly men. I had never met men like that in my life. Every man I have ever encountered in my life was abusive and sexual. So to see these men, how they adored their wives and provided for their families was just breathtaking. I didn't know what to think. I would cry myself to sleep when I cry now. I would cry myself to sleep and go, my goodness. And they would tell me, this is the picture of Jesus, how Jesus is with us. He's our husband, our maker, the lover of our soul, and that he adores us even more than these husbands adore their wives. And it helped me understand that community is key. I never left their side every day. I was at one of their houses and I would serve them. I would cook for them. I would scrub their toilets. I would scrub the church's toilets. I would clean the sanctuary all for free, all for free. I just needed to be around these people because it fed my soul. It fed my flesh that was crying out for some type of acceptance. And they gave it to me freely, just like God gives us his love freely. It's my life. It's how I live today. Wow. And that explains, Jennifer, why your ministry is in part what it is, because you're all about relationship and all about community. And it was that that was a tool that helped transform your life, was that community, that common unity that you shared that transformed you, that reached down to the most broken places to the, the wounded, the um, places that probably were shut, shut down and closed off to other people. It was through those relationships that you saw love and you saw pure love, you know, healthy relationships and how men and women should be healthy men and women should be. And it just transformed you. It did. It empowered me as well to be able to continue to walk out of all of this trauma from my past and into a new life. Not that anything changed from my past. I can't change not one thing, but to watch these people. And they made plenty of mistakes. I was able to watch them clean up their own messes and love one another and cover the mistakes, which helped me in turn, be able to love and cover the people who had hurt me in my past, including my uncle. I was able to forgive my uncle for the years of sexual abuse from him for planting the seed to begin with. And then the years of sexual abuse years later and everything in between, I was able to then go to my uncle, drive up in his yard, and he was actually outside, 
And when he said, wow, like, what are you doing here? And I said, um, I just wanted to tell you that I love you and that Jesus loves you and that I forgive you. And he started crying. And after a long conversation, I told him, I said, you know, you're a life without Jesus Christ. And that's why you did the things that you did. But a life in Christ, you're able to forgive. And so I'm in Christ now and I want to forgive you. So we actually prayed that day and he received Jesus Christ that day. I did the same thing with my pimp as well. He just, I saw him later doing street ministry and we became friends and talked and he almost died. And I prayed for two solid hours over him. Lord, don't let him die. He doesn't deserve hell. So after that, he prayed and received Jesus as his savior as well. So watching the people in this community love one another so unconditionally was able to teach me the love of Christ because I promise you, I wasn't always innocent. It sounds good, but I wasn't always innocent. I did do whatever I had to do sometimes to survive. And if Jesus can forgive me of my sins, I need to forgive others of their sins. Luke 6, 37 says, do not judge lest you be judged. Do not condemn lest you be condemned. Forgive others so your father can forgive you. And that was so critical. Like I didn't have the right to judge my uncle. I didn't have the right to judge my pimp. They were a life without Christ. So I forgave them, brought them into the kingdom and let it go. Wow. That is something that people their whole life will hold on to a grudge. And even those that become Christians, I mean, let's be honest. They're like, yeah, I I can't ever let go of that. But it keeps us in bondage. It doesn't keep the person in bondage that abused us or hurt us. It actually keeps us in bondage. And you realize that. And you realize that how great of the forgiveness of what God did in your life, that who are we to judge somebody else, that they're accountable to God. But then you went a step further. You were not satisfied with just that. You went a step further and pursued them, and they each found Jesus. That is miraculous. That is powerful. That is the transformation of what God has done in and through you. You know, it was not easy. It was not obviously my first choice. You know, my first choice would not honor God even in the slightest, but I just had this vision of wanting every piece of God that he had to offer me. And if that was part of it, then I would do it. Bottom line, I would do it. Yeah. So Jennifer, what can God do to a yielded life? Oh my goodness. This is so Because that's your life. Your life is yielded to God. Yes. Well, I think understanding uh, Philippians 1 verse 12, verse 6 and verse 12, verse 6 says that he who began a great work in me is faithful to bring it to completion unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 12 says that I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually happened to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when I realized, 
okay, what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use for his glory. He's going to turn it around for good to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then I need to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I went on a journey of just making amends in every area of my life. I started paying off worthless checks and debts and calling my mom and calling my dad, continuing to call because my mom would just hang up on me. She hated me. And then we ended up becoming best friends before she passed away. And my dad and I are so super close today. And he's such a wonderful man and such a delight to be around. And that's a gift. My son, I walked out of his life when he was four years old. I never saw him again until he was 12. My son is my absolute best friend. We talk three and four times every single day. I'm an ordained minister, which is another thing that God can do with a fully yielded life is he took me through six years of seminary. I got ordained and I actually officiated my own son's wedding, which was pretty cool. And now he's my COO, my chief operating officer of Her Hope Kentucky, which is the residential home we're opening. And it's just a really neat partnership that we have in the kingdom and in our family. I got to adopt children out of foster care. I've traveled the whole world. I once used to have to have a piece of paper and permission to even leave the county. And now I travel all over the world freely with a passport called Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there anything greater than that? That is like very height of of anything I could ever put on the list. Some of the other great things, though, I don't want to miss this, and I don't want people to miss this. When I was on the streets, I was actually on the most wanted list with the reward for my capture. Well, I got captured. Someone made out with the money. I don't know who it is to this day. And that's the past. But in 2017, I got a phone call from a special agent in the FBI. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's so far behind me. I don't know anything, sir. I've seen nothing. And he said, no, we actually are aware of the work that you are doing in the community. And we want to honor you with the nation's highest award given out. They flew me into Washington, D.C., and I won the National Director's Leadership Award for the FBI. And so those are things that when you think about a yielded life, I bought a home. I have full coverage insurance. I have zero points on my license. Like those seem so silly and so small to some people, but for a person with coming out of my background, those are milestones. Those are the rocks that I have stacked up and built and built and built to climb higher to the kingdom of God. The Bible says, so let your light shine before men that they will see your good works and praise our father in heaven. So I have lived by the scriptures and I believe that God has honored that so much in my life. So unbelievably real. I mean, what he can do the nights that I lay in my bed lonely at night, he tangibly holds me and tells me that he loves me and it is okay. When I have my highest moments of great victories, he's there. My lowest moments, he's there. My confusing moments, he's there. Every moment of my day, I know that my God is there. And that comes from a yielded life. Yeah. As you're saying everything, I'm thinking of really it's limitless. 
of what God can do in and through us when we are a yielded life, that it is beyond our expectations, that it's abundant blessings and provision and open doors and ways that he can use us and move through us beyond what we could ever imagine. And that is truly what God has done in your life. So Jennifer, how can people connect with you? Well, we have a website, jennifer at herhopekentucky.org, or you can email me, jennifer at herhopekentucky.org. And let's talk. Let's meet for lunch. Let's have coffee. Let's talk about Jesus. If you want to talk about some ways that we can heal you in your past, let's do that. Let's do that. So you can connect with me and I will spend myself for you to make sure that you grasp a hold of that good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap, healing that God has for you and that abundant life that he has for you. Please connect, please. So in the last few moments we have, could you pray for our listeners? Oh, I'd be so honored. Lord, you are sovereign over all and you have ordained from the foundation of the world good works and good measures for your children. Lord, I pray over every listener now and the ones that this podcast will be shared with in the future. I pray, Father, that they have ears to hear what you are saying to them. The story is great, but you are greater, God. So let them know that you are real and that you are available and that you want to know them. You want them to know you. So Father, bring them into your kingdom. Bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. You can subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I would love to stay connected with you. You can find me at on my Instagram and Facebook pages. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of Fully Restored Podcast minister to you, encouraged you, and that you feel that there is hope, hope for your life, hope for you to walk out your own fully restored story, just as Jennifer has. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.